Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm from sunny California, the Golden State, and now I'm living in sunny, beautiful Beijing, city of museums. And today with me, as usual, is Bebe. Hey, hi, Jason. Isn't it a beautiful day outside? Just look at it. And it's starting to warm up. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Literally, I, I think I burnt like 2,000 calories wow. just sitting uh, by my desk, mm. reading about the two sessions. <laughs> <laughs> I've been having this like trash course um, on the two sessions. And I did this last year, I mm. think, around the same time. <laughs> but I don't remember anything from this, it. So I have to like start from. If you do this every year for 10 years, you're going to be an expert on this topic. You could <laughs> probably write your own book, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. Two Sessions is currently being held uh, in Beijing. Folks outside of China have little understanding. I know this from personal experience mm. because I am I used to be folks. One of the folks. <laughs> <laughs> how China's democratic processes work. And research in 2022, and this is re- repeated research they do every year, uh, which surprises a lot of people when I posted in social media, from research group and think tank Latana, you can verify this data at latana.com, demonstrated that Chinese folks were more likely to rank their own government as democratic more than any other nation in the world. So people in other countries don't rate their own government as democratic as Chinese people rate their own government. Hmm. Uh, With so little known and understood about uh, China and China's whole process people's democracy, Hmm. we're going to discuss the moving parts of the highest internally approved democratic system Well, people, when they hear this, a lot of people will probably think that, oh, they just fake the numbers. But for example, Mm -hmm. these are like research done by, I guess, institutions outside China. Yeah, these are not Chinese institutions. This is an internet. Latana is international, right. actually. Yeah, and also a global uh, institution. Have you heard of the Edelman Trust Barometer? Yes, I I check out. I read the entire wow. thing, Edelman, bo- top to bottom. You are special, Jason. It, it, this last year, it's eighty nine percent of Chinese people approve of the central what? government. Below ninety percent. What happened? Uh, two years ago, it was ninety one percent. They dropped a whole right. two points, uh, but that's better than the U.S., which I think received four. 43%? Hmm. Why were we down by two points? What do we do what? wrong? What can we do better? <laughs> hey, two points. Oh, come on. You're like at 90%. You know, there's no country is as, as highly self-ranked. But that's like... Of, you know, I want to confirm this across a bunch of sources so that our listeners know that we're not making this up. So firstly, you can go to Latana.com to verify the data we're going to use today. But Harvard Business Review, for according to uh, Ash Center at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government, also ranked Chinese Satisfaction with the Beijing government at 95% in 2020. So Eidelman is also about 90% and Latana is about 90%. So the numbers are about 80, anywhere between 89 and 96% according to Harvard, Latana, and right. Edelman. So it, it, the, none of these are Chinese institutions. And also, I heard there is such a report from Harvard. It's called Understanding CCP Resilience. And the the subtitle is Surveying Chinese Public Opinion Through Time, and it's released by Harvard University. And according to that report, that is one and the, the same. same. Okay, the, that is the report. I guess the title the is Understanding Center. CCP yeah. Resilience, which which makes it yeah, so yeah. fascinating. I want to understand CCP mm-hmm. resilience, so maybe I'm going to read the report. <laughs> I also think it's strange that they use the term CCP because it's the Communist Party of China (CPC). Harvard, you can do better uh, than that. Okay, <laughs> exciting time. Two sessions. This you you get this special vibe in the air. Maybe it's just spring, but or maybe mm. something. You you know, it's when representatives, deputies from across the nation, they come to the Capitol and they go to that great, um, you know, the People's Hall and they hold meetings after meetings after meetings. The details mm-hmm. is going to be too intricate, but basics NPC. OK, that's the National People's Congress. Mm-hmm. And also there's mm-hmm. multiple layers. There are the layers of local people's congresses. Mm-hmm. At all levels. Sure. So these are the organs through which the people exercise state power. Mm -hmm. So that's very important. I'm going to read it once again. So the National People's Congress, NPC, and local people's congresses Mm -hmm. at all levels are the organs through which Mm -hmm. the people exercise state power. 
how do people in China exercise their political power through the NPC and all the people's See, congresses at all levels? Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. And the other one is a little harder to say. It's abbreviated as CPPCC. No kidding. <laughs> yes. So that stands for the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. May I talk a little bit about and this? I know the smallest yes, amount about this, so I want to share it so I don't seem like the ignorant one here, which I am. But I was talking about this with other folks, and they were mm -hmm. saying that these two bodies resemble one another in a, a specific set of ways, in that the NPC oh. and the CPPCC are both mm. bodies that are comprised of people from all walks of life, from like, right. you know, movie stars to janitors and, you know, people who farmers uh, do your plumbing, plumbers, worker, all, mm. worker, everybody, people work in factories, people who local government, and all regions, farmers, uh, right. people from all ethnicities, all, yeah, all regions are represented, all ages are represented except children. And so you have Basically, both of these two bodies are comprised of a very diverse network of persons representing the regions and kinds of workers and people from everywhere. So I found that really interesting. For me, I was almost like there's a so one is a consultatory body, a consultative body. It makes recommendations to the other, which then makes the laws. But both are extremely diverse bodies of people, which is right. very, very fascinating. Exactly. And so the two sessions basically refers to the annual sessions of the NPC and the CPPCC. And the easier way to remember this, the NPC is mm. basically China's top legislature. Okay, NPC. That's when, you know, people's congress is from across the system. And then the CPPCC, that's the top mm -hmm, political mm -hmm. advisory body. So that's, I guess, the, uh, you know, mm -hmm. a, a short definition for that. So my question is this, I yeah, guess. <laughs> um, I know for a fact, I've okay, this is something Morris and I have talked about before. There are elections in China at a very local level mm. across China. And that I even know that family members of mine have taken place in part in them where they have elected local leaders. But what I always don't didn't understand is mm. how does this work? Who's electing who? When does this happen? For what kind of in the United States? I'm taught civics. Right. And so I know exactly like how the democratic process supposedly works. But like in China, I know that there are elections, but I don't know mm -hmm. how that works at all. Could Do you know about how that process works? When do these elections take place? Some people think that in China, you know, the government makes policies and then people just listen. OK, there, there are people who really think that way. That's somehow their mm -hmm. impression of the country. Well, that is <laughs> totally not the mm -hmm. case. Mm -hmm. I mean, you wish, right? You wish you can just tell people to do something and they'll just do it. Um, like, I can't even tell my eight year old to do anything. Can you imagine, you know, organizing, managing a whole country like that? So definitely not. OK, there's a whole system mm. in place, a whole structure. <laughs> and also sometimes I think about how difficult it is, you know, how frustrating it is for the central government mm -hmm. to implement their policies. It's the same both here and also in the States. Right. I mean, in the States, you have um, mm -hmm. uh, there are battles um, between parties and between all kinds of uh, sections of the society as to what is yeah. the best in America right, for yeah. the country. And it's there are even riots in America It's yeah. probably more um, exposed or you you hear people more. Um, and here it's the same thing, mm -hmm. except probably like the styles are a little different. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a direction. There are probably directions and policies that the central government think is best for the country. But how do you uh, incentivize local governments, mm -hmm. you know, provincial and city level governments to participate, mm -hmm. right? How do you incentivize different organizations and uh, private enterprises to, to jump on, you know, jump on board and let's uh, go in that direction? That's all very difficult and intricate. So it's definitely not like, I'll just tell you what to do and you do, you guys mm -hmm, do it. Mm -hmm. No such thing. Okay. Sure. And when it comes to, uh, when it comes to elections, um, they, there are different levels of elections. Uh -huh. 
And uh, China actually has the world's largest grassroots election. What? You probably know that. Well, you know, it's not I, surprising. I, I, that... I, I was really looking forward to this episode specifically because I'm looking at Bebe as my teacher. On oh, this. gosh. Um, huh. <laughs> no pressure, huh? <laughs> no pressure or anything. <laughs> Anyhow. So basically, the NPC, right, we have uh, deputies. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, representatives from the people. And these and are, are a lot of people like in China. Congressmen, kind of, or congresspersons, kind of, parliamentarians. Kind of. Yeah. It depends on at what level. Uh, so um, at the county and township level, mm-hmm. the elections are at the local level's basis. So you're, you're like electing like the local community leader kind of thing? So basically deputies to county and township level people's congresses. Oh, they are, it's like a mayor almost. They're directly of. elected by voters. No, it's not a mayor. Uh, it's not like a government post. These are deputies. Uh, they represent representatives from yes, that locality. Exactly. Wow. At the township and county level, they are voted directly by the residents of those towns and counties. Wow counties. So back in the days, probably, let's say the village head will be like banging on his gone <laughs> at a certain time of, of the year. <laughs> Say, hey, it's time <laughs> calling people together, right? To vote for deputies who will uh, then vote for the higher level deputies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So sure. it's layers and layers. Yeah. Uh, but at the t- county township level, they're directed vote directly voted by people like you and me. Mm-hmm. And then at all the levels above that, the deputies are elected, voted by Those uh, deputies. deputies from the level yeah, below. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So since the reform and opening up, county and township level voter turnout in the elections, they are amazing. They remain at around about 90%. Okay. So wow. a lot of people, yeah. Wow. Um, the village head will make sure that everyone comes out for this. <laughs> and so, uh, for example, from. All right, Lee family. Wong family, where are you? <laughs> Shame on you. You're not out at the council. <laughs> Man, now it's 10% lower. We could have had 100%, Wong family. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Seriously. And so. And Sorry, also, Wongs. All the Wongs listening, we think you're. There wonderful. are millions. Go on, baby. Okay. <laughs> so from the first half of 2021, to the end of June 2022, for example, mm-hmm. um, about 2.6 million mm. deputies wow. in China's 31 provinces, autonomous regions, municipalities were elected to county and township level people's congresses. So basically, mm. their congress is at different levels. You can see, imagine mm. like a, a tier system, like a pyramid, yeah. right? There are a lot more bigger base. So everyone is covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in these, uh, the grassroots level, 1.064 billion voters were involved in this process. So I hope they don't use a lot of paper mm. in the process. <laughs> there are a lot of be a lot of littering. <laughs> wow. Anyhow. Well, on point, we've done a lot of episodes about environmental conservation. Way to keep it <laughs> I real. Know, I guess. Well, maybe now it's done digitally, right? Probably. Hmm. So I mean, and I can I can go to the grocery store by my house now and use my face to pay. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that if they wanted to not use paper, they right. could. And they will know who didn't come out to vote. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Wong. Your face doesn't register. <laughs> Okay, so it's uh, and and also there's more than that, right? Mm -hmm. Let's, uh, for example, in formulating the five year plan, Mm -hmm. like the 14th five year plan, you guys know about that, right? Jason knows about it. Yeah, so that is one of the things that I think is maintaining China's trajectory towards becoming a better and better uh, version of itself with each passing few years. Mm -hmm. China is always, us foreigners are always remarking. Wow, China's changed so much since whatever. You could name any year to any year Mm. and China has changed during that period of time. And it's largely because there's always a lot of planning that goes into what's coming next and what should come after that. Whereas in the US, it's like, well, we need a law for this right now. Let's pass one right now. Okay, moving to the next thing. You know, at the two sessions, that's also when a time they will see, okay, how do we do last year? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what do we need to do next year? How do we uh, maybe modify things so we can, you know, function better? Mm -hmm. So another example of how people uh, participate Mm -hmm. politically how they exercise their power, let's say the making of the 14th five-year plan, Mm -hmm. which is from 2021 to 2025, Mm -hmm. and for the national economic and social development. So, um, of course, for the plan, uh, our president was personally involved and led the process. But in order to combine top-level design with public opinions, he took multiple inspection tours to like various provinces and presided over, I think, seven seminars. 
and it mm. initiated the first ever online solicitation of public views and suggestions. And a total of 1.018 million responses from netizens were collected. Oh, good luck going through that. Wow. And and so um, among those 1.018 million responses, over 1,000 suggestions were directly adopted. Mm. So they went actually went through all that and see what the people, the modifications from um, from the people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that's another example. And this is for national level issues, not local. This is not like, I wish that this tree in my neighborhood wasn't there. Could you please remove oh. this tree? It's in the way and blocking my bicycle Jason, path. I, I know where you can go for that, okay? Let's say if your neighbor has done something like, I don't know, peed in your front door or something, or... Like maybe it's a dog. His dog, The neighbor's dog. Okay? And he has done, he's been doing that consistently like for the past few weeks that you have a complaint to file. Um, hmm. Don't go to the two sessions, please, Jason. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I, I have another number that you can call. Okay. Sure, sure. Okay, thank you. You might need a pen for this, but you might not. It's just one, two, three, four, five. Can you get this? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty hard. I don't I don't know if I would remember. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Hey, baby. You know, what's really interesting to me is like we kind of almost have time. You keep describing something. I keep thinking of the Western Mm. parallel to that. So I think China is more um, really active in trying to involve participation vis-a-vis giving suggestions to the government. And it's probably working better here in China. But in the United States, people are told sometimes, write your congressman, write your congressperson. So, you know, you can send letters to your local representative in the U.S. Uh, So if you have a senator, let's say California has two of them, so you can write one of them. (laughs) They are not going to answer you, almost never. What's going to happen is the secretary will send you like an automated message response. I have a tip. If you send the suggestion with like a $5 million check, uh, maybe they will hear you. (laughs) I was going to talk about that. I have a list that I, I, this was unrelated. I was just happened to be looking up lobbying in the United States uh, where uh, basically it's illegal here. It's illegal here. Don't do this. Yeah, exactly. I was going to talk about that later because I think it's really interesting in in most countries, you know, sending money to your politicians in any form is corruption and it's illegal. But in the United States, lobbying is constitutional. And I have a list here if we could just go off for just a minute on this tangent before we come back. This is leading lobbying spenders in the United States and 2022. This comes from Statista this year for 2022. And these are the leads. So the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is the number one spender buying our politicians. No wonder. Then the National Association of Realtors, then pharmaceutical mm, company, then insurance. Blue Cross. Mm-hmm. So that's why you don't get universal health care. Mm-hmm. And then American Hospital. That's why you don't get uh-huh. universal health care. Then Amazon.com. I am scared. I don't know what they're doing, but it's not good. It keeps going down. The last one I'm going to read on the list is Lockheed Market Martin, which uh, makes military equipment. So basically you have people from, you know, drug and hospital companies, things like that, vested interests and military corporations I shouldn't buying laugh. off American right. politicians with legal any I know it's it's it I think this is probably one of the biggest uh faults of the US American system that they have legalized corruption. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And as I said earlier, don't do that in China if you are, you know, wanting to find my local to office exactly like don't go my, my local npc representative and say hey can you make a law that makes makes it so that foreigners are considered cool i'm sorry so <laughs> and then you can hand up your uh five bucks for the favor and also here right and then i can get on an airplane and leave because i won't be welcome <laughs> right you know what that's a really good point because you will be deprived of your right to vote if you have you know like illegal conduct well, same in the U.S. Um, if, you're, if, because, you're, if you serve prison time for a right. federal crime, you lose your right to vote as well. Okay, so how do we come? Who can become an NPC uh, deputy and who can vote for the deputies? All citizens of the People's Republic of China who have reached the age of 18 have the mm-hmm. right to vote. 
and stand for election mm -hmm. regardless of um, ethnic background, race, gender, occupation, family background, religion, education level, property status, or length of residence, okay? But mm -hmm. people who have been deprived of their political rights, according to the country's laws, do not have this right to vote or stand for election. Mm -hmm. So if you have, you know, robbed banks or kidnapped people, I'm sorry. Yeah, you will not be able to participate in if, this way. I think if they kidnap people, they're the ones who should be sorry. <laughs> well, okay, yes, that, that's true, that's true. I'm just being too polite. But anyhow, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I, I want to go back to grassroots level sure, participation. Sure. I have some questions, but I'll, I'll wait. It's not just grassroots level. Uh, it's like a broad-based way of participation by people. And as I mentioned, let's say if you have a complaint from the neighborhood, mm -hmm. um, you you can dial a hotline. And I wasn't making that up. There is a one, two, three, four, five hotline service in addressing complaints. And as I mentioned for a few times in a show, we've actually used that right. Mm -hmm. You know, in our own neighborhood, there is the WeChat group, mm -hmm. I guess, for every single mm -hmm. community. And if they have problems, they'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. And they tried uh, here, like it was one resident who was uh, doing some like private construction. It was taken public space so and they negotiated he wasn't backing down so yeah. they called one two three four five and after i don't know a few days a few weeks they came and saw um, the D's and everything to work things out. The neighbor, they, he had to like tear things down. You yeah. know, this happens in the States too. I always think of the parallel. Like neighbors oftentimes like argue about whose fence yeah. is supposed to be where and then they have to get the the, the city involved mm -hmm. and check out the plans and then make sure that the fence is in the right. This right. sounds very similar actually in this respect. Many places in China have established a system for like solving people's problems such as government's functional departments mm -hmm. and they answer calls for help from neighborhood um, uh, neighborhood neighborhood administrators and there's um there are these quick response task forces so let's you know they get the small items done before um things get any worse and also uh, i want to mention a critical modern innovation of the legislative mechanism, which is called the grassroots level legislation contact points. See, contact points. And the first batch was established in 2015, so still relatively new, right? And by July 2022, 22 contact points were established covering two thirds of China's provinces. And these are um, basically the bottom up legislative fast track that gathers public opinion and perception. So if you're having a problem or you have an idea, instead of calling the number, you go to the, your community point of contact and you discuss the issue with, you know, this lady or man. And Well, what we can see is this attempt to create channels for people to voice their opinions and also to address mm. their needs. And from local issues, neighborhood issues mm. to things that are bigger, right? And also in various parts of China, mm -hmm. like there are diverse forms of uh, consultative democracy uh, based on local realities. Um, they have been mm -hmm. because, you know, different places mm -hmm. in China, they have uh, different conditions. It's a really big space. Um, so in villages, they have villagers councils. And they, uh, there are also residence workshops, courtyard discussions, neighborhood meetings and outdoor meetings and the democratic consultation meetings. Um, so, you know, if you are interested, you can find out in your local area, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like uh, maybe call the local government and they will tell you, where can I go to voice my complaints? And uh, if I have like great suggestions, uh, is there a number I can call? Mm -hmm. Things like that. So these are just some of the, the general idea of grassroots democracy um, election. You're listening to The Bridge. Before we move on, I wanted to ask you a little bit, you know, we've got all the data from Harvard and Eidelman and Latana and all this other uh, kind of information. You are a person who has lived in China most of your uh, life. Mm. Could you tell us about how do people see this aspect of interaction with Chinese legislation? So like your cousin or your mom or your aunt or uncle, how do people talk about the fact that they have these points of contact and these kinds of resources that if they have ideas or want to engage in like the, you know, national at the national level with what's going on in China. How do they talk about these sorts of institutions? I guess, isn't that the way it's supposed mm -hmm. to be? I think we have an understanding that the government knows that 
the people are the ones who actually flow the mm, boat. Mm. If that, am I using that idiom correctly? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, think so it yes. might seem like it's the government, um, the whole government apparatus that has the power. It might seem like that. But we, the people, we know that that's only if we agree to it.、Mm-hmm. You know, that's only if you are doing things in our、uh, for our benefit.、Mm-hmm. And as long as we have that confidence and we have that feeling that they are doing exactly that, well, you know, then we are happy、uh, for them to execute the the policies and lead the country. So I think、mm-hmm. maybe it's not much talked about, but there is this constant understanding. You know, I think like when you look at the policies that the country has been、uh, implementing, especially the weight given to environmental p- protection mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. recent years,、mm-hmm. that makes sense to us. You know,、yeah. <laughs> that makes sense to us, and also, I guess, devotion to education, right? To、uh, to healthcare, like we've seen meetings of、um, the negotiations between the pharmacies and the national,、uh, like uh, like the social security system. The negotiations between them to set the price for certain medicine,、mm-hmm. so that more medicine could be included in the social、uh, security package. So things like that, and it happens in the news. And we、yeah. we feel like they're doing things for our benefit. We feel we can sleep. I guess how do you say it? Rest assured、mm-hmm. that our benefits are being considered. Off.、Yeah. I guess sometimes we have to look at how much have been done. Without people demanding and protesting、mm-hmm. here in China,、mm-hmm. because a lot of the things that should be done have been done. You know, without people, yeah, it doesn't become a problem, a、exactly. sticking point for people because it's already been rectified or they're working. Exactly, I think that has not been probably not been、uh, recognized as much, especially、uh, you know abroad.、Mm-hmm. We see protests going on. It's a sign of democracy, right? It's a sign of.、Um, Uh, people being able to voice their opinions, but then maybe it's quieter on our front. And one of the reasons is that we know that the government is doing what we want them to do. And why will we right make more trouble? For example, lifting people out of poverty. Right? <laughs> They don't need all you know everyone's consent to make sure that hey maybe we should help the poor people. Okay, that's like everybody's consent, right? We should work together. The benefit of the development is so that people have、uh, live better <laughs> lives, especially the ones、right. who are less privileged. And also, like、uh, infrastructure building.、Uh, I'm just giving a couple examples. You know, yeah. Inf- I also I was reading a book called you know like you taking after baby's example, <laughs> and I, I was reading a book called、uh, China's Rural Revitalization: The Gansu ex-、mm. Experience、uh, by David.、Mm. Ferguson, and he, in the book he talks about there was a community、mm. in、uh, Gansu that he went to where the Chinese government built three shoutshus essentially communities, brand new communities, yeah, of, of you know ha- apartment、mm. complexes, and they took the entire village and moved、mm. it one kilometer west, and they said, okay, everybody.、Mm. Here's your new apartment. Out, and I met with David recently.、Mm. I said this is、uh, bad because they have new rent. That and he was like, no rent, no. The government built these apartments, and they're like,、right. here's your apartment. And then they reclaimed the the village that the, <laughs> not every villager agreed to leave. So、mm. they took like you know 95 percent of the village left,、mm. and then they re- the government take takes that land back and says no, no. Now this is your brand new apartment with brand new fixtures, brand new electricity,、mm-hmm. brand new water, plumbing, everything.、Right. And you can live here. So in the United States, where we like you're talking about. We have problems like six, almost six hundred thousand homeless,、mm. and we've talked about this before. It's a big issue. Like six hundred thousand homeless people, this is terrible.、Mm-hmm. What can be done? And you look at the business political environment in the United States, and because of the way the apparatus works,、mm-hmm. you, the government just can't just go build them a bunch of stuff, a bunch of like homes, and say, okay, you can live here. Well, no one lobbied for China, this. <laughs> yeah,、oh. exactly. Exactly. Well, that's part of it,、um, but there are other. Reasons that it wouldn't work in the United States as well under the current political climate、yeah. and system, but in China they're just like, okay, we have the money. Here's the apartments. Move in there.、Mm. Okay, great. Now you guys can just live in this nice new modern home. No, of course. Whereas in the United States, politics gets in the way、exactly. of being able to fix things, and that's very troubling. I think in this sense, things are a lot smoother here because there is a common consensus as to what's、uh, what's the better way of doing things. Like if we know that there are people who live in these mountainous areas. Where it's just it's just hard for them to get a kickstart, 
right? On a better life. If you are stuck in like deep in the mountains and you can't sell your stuff and it's harder for your kids to get a better education, then of course, everyone here agrees that we should, you know, devote more to helping them and um, uh, at, at least help them to get started, right? Well, well, we talk about equality, but let's be honest. People are born in different um situations right some people they're born in the big in big cities and they have uh you know great bright schools and other kids are born deep in the mountains or somewhere you know really cold or they live further away from from where opportunities are then we think we should help them more. But there's another aspect to this. Um, oftentimes in the United States, the people like when I'm I used to go out with my dad a lot and he would sit in the mm. coffee with a bunch of other blue collar workers. And so mm. I was a kid. I don't really know what they're talking about, but I know and I don't think they knew what they were talking about. Honestly, they, they were they were just regular folks who were like complaining. The government doesn't do, do anything about this. The government doesn't do anything about that kind of stuff. Mm. Then mm. You, you, you could insert working class Democrats or working class Republicans in the same coffee table and they would all gripe the same gripes and, you know, have the same feelings yeah. about like, you know, there's these rich people that are taking advantage of the system and they're doing these things that no one likes. Why does this have to be this way? And it shouldn't mm. be. And so like, what's interesting is in the United States, they hate the people hate the idea of there being monopolies mm -hmm. and, but nothing really gets done about that. Whereas in China, they do something about monopolies. Mm. And then usually it's Western business leaders are like, look at what China did to this monopoly. They're so <laughs> controlling over their economy. But that's actually what Americans want American, the American government to do. They want them to take the mm. same kinds of actions to protect people, to protect the working class folks in America, where in China, the government actually does those kinds of things. Well, speaking of which, that reminds me of something um, like, I guess more as we see more of a loophole or a big, actually probably a bigger hole in the American democracy. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, when candidates are um, giving tours, giving speeches, they can say a lot of pretty things. Right. Remember all the tours uh, and great things that yeah, Trump yeah, yeah, said, yeah, yeah. especially to blue collar workers. Mm -hmm. Right. How are we going to get like mm -hmm. jobs mm -hmm. back? You guys are going to, you know, have uh, uh, more money, more. Yeah, exactly. More coal mining jobs than ever. Millions. I mean, of basically, new coal that's miners. how he <laughs> gathers support. But then what happens afterwards? You know, like, how are you how can you guarantee that he's going to um, carry out his promises? And um, so for us, we think like that does not make sense. The system has flaws. It has deep flaws because mm -hmm. you can't hold people accountable. Right. They can say anything they want, mm -hmm. which is, I guess, a freedom. But sometimes there's a lack of responsibility to what you say. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, if people here actually in a in a uh, article I found, mm -hmm. it says if the people are awakened only to cast a vote, but become dormant afterwards, that is no true democracy. OK, like once mm -hmm. a year you go vote. But like how much effort have you put into getting to know the candidates and their proposed policies and what happens afterwards when um how do you participate after the candidate has become the president right and if the people are offered great hopes during campaigning but have no say afterwards that is no true democracy right anyone can just i guess say great things and if the people are offered false promises during electoral canvassing but are left empty-handed afterwards. That is also no true democracy. But at least that's how we see it. I mean, do people in the West see this? Can they do something about this? So we don't want gaps like that in our system. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we want people to be able to exercise their power all the way through. That's why it's called um, whole yeah. process. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. For this is from Latana. It's the one that says desire for more democracy. And so I think before I go into what the statistics actually say for our listeners, I want to talk about, you know, there is a Western style democratic electoral practice uh, that exists. Mm -hmm. And then there is China's version of democracy that exists. And when we're talking about, you know, 
what do the people actually like instead of America's always like trying to install, make, mm. make this government over here in Africa, force them to, to accept their form of democracy or this country in Latin America where they don't like the current democracy, mm. they're trying to force them to have this American style democracy. What's really interesting in this uh, chart by Latana, which says desire for more democracy came out in 2023 uh, in a survey from 2022, mm. is that the number one, China is tied for number one for people People who claim that there's either mm. the right amount or too much democracy and has the mm. least amount of people in the world who say there is not enough mm. democracy. Actually, I don't know where the United States is on this, but it's way down on the list. United Kingdom is like lower than half on the list, and they have about 40% of people saying there's not enough democracy. So this idea that the West got it right the first mm -hmm. time in mm -hmm. France and England and the United States is not true. Yeah, it's not true based on the way. Oh, I see the United States. It's way down there. It's almost 50% of people saying there's not enough democracy. So when the United States says, oh, China, they don't have a democracy, they're actually wrong. Mm. Like they don't have a Western style, like enlightenment 17th century version of democracy. But China has a, dem a form of democracy that is better well liked by its own people. And that is what democracy is. It's more pragmatic. On this point, I think, first of all, I think people need to understand that kind of break out from their narrow definition of the democratic system. You know, there are different kinds of uh, ways for people to uh, express their political powers. And the fact that China has got its own system and ways of governance uh, should not come as a shock, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's like for uh, Western um, minds, a lot of Western minds, the fact that our system is, is different. It's like, whoa, it's not our system. Thus, it's not a system or it's a bad system. I think we should really broaden our uh, understanding. There are other structures of democracy, other paths to achieve democracy. Exactly, and exactly. also, we also believe, this is from an article from, let's say, this is an article. This is an article from cpa.org.au, uh, Guardian. So this is an article from Australia, mm -hmm. and it's written by um, a Chinese Wang Xining. And he said that we believe that the most reliable and effective systems for a country are always the ones that take root in, take root in, and draw abundant nutrients from their own soil. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. time after time, as we've seen across the globe and in history, forcing your style of democracy on other people in other countries just don't work that well. Yeah. And actually probably will make things a lot better. And that's why China has been so resistant and so insistent on, you know, doing things our own way because this is our own soil mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we grow our own plants. Things have to take root here. I just read uh, Wretched of the Earth again last week, which is Franz Fanon, mm. when he's basically talking about the independence movements in Africa mm -hmm. against French imperialism, against British imperialism, against American interventionism. Mm. And so like... Basically, the 60s and 70s, the 1960s and 70s, all the way up until recently, actually, countries around the world were declaring their independence from mm. the Americans, the French, the 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 British and so forth and getting their independence. I mean, it says a lot about the British Empire that the number one celebrated holiday around the world are independence movements oh. from the British Empire. Mm -hmm. So like <laughs> if you think about it really, the most celebrated holiday is independence from Western Europe and and mm -hmm. from the United States. These countries created their own political mm -hmm. and democratic systems. And when the United States and France and their allies come in and say, "Oh, we don't like your style of democracy. We want you to use our style of democracy. Mm. That is neocolonialism. That is colonialism come back where some, I have to say it, white Westerner mm. is coming into a, a, the global South and telling them how it should be, giving them a lecture from daddy to the little person who doesn't know what to do. And that's really despicable and really Eurocentric. And I think that, you know, when we're talking about Chinese democracy, clearly the people of China mm. like it far better than Western right. people like us. their own government. There should be no idea idea that the, the Chinese folks need to be rescued from the system that they love. Because um, different areas of the world have such different cultures and different local conditions. I think morals aside, just on the side of uh, on the side of pragmatism, right, let's being uh, practical and efficient and really get things done, mm. it's just better to have 
your own methods, right? Depending on your own uh, local conditions and taking the wish of um, your people uh, instead of you know what other people value the most. Um, and um, and also, I I have some numbers. I just found some numbers mm-hmm. as to coming back to NPC a little bit, right? When it comes to the deputy mm-hmm. at the very beginning of today's show, you mentioned that. Um, NPC deputies are from all over the country, yeah. right? From different fields of work, walks of from life. Dif- walks of life, exactly, from different locations. I have some numbers here for, I think, the past um, two sessions. Um, representatives representing workers and farmers, they comprised 13 point, like over 13% of the number of deputies and uh, the total number of deputies across like the for the npc should not exceed 3000 mm. so some you know lo- over 2000 deputies um and then 20 roughly 20% were from tech like technical mm-hmm. experts yeah that makes a lot of sense uh, so per- people well, may, in technology can I just were, for a second i want you to yeah. finish because i want to hear the rest of this but i sure. also want to say that a lot of my foreign mm-hmm. friends who've lived in china a long time sometimes describe Chinese political system because they, like me, like previous to learning from Bebe, mm. uh, we mm. thought, oh, wow, there are a lot of technocrats, people who know about technology and mm. economics in Chinese government. Oftentimes we describe your government as a technocracy. Mm-hmm. But go on, please, please do continue. Okay. Yeah. So that's about 20%. And also uh, 30, roughly 34, 35% are from people in different parties. Mm. So that, yes, there are more than one party here in China, mm. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so representatives, deputies from different parties, they like about 35%. And then uh, about 9% are from the PLA, which is the People's Liberation Army. So like the military. And then uh, 0.2%, over 0.2% from uh, Hong Kong, Macau, and Taiwan uh, deputies. Mm-hmm. Like they're over 20% from representatives from religion mm-hmm. organizations and um, arts mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, social sciences, you name it, like, I guess, more than that. And also, um, among all these, about 23% of them are female, Mm -hmm. the deputies are female, and about 14% are from minority groups. Mm -hmm. Along the same lines, the CPPCC also consists of different circles, as Jason mentioned earlier. I just, Mm -hmm. they're like... um, over 30 different circles just trying to cover the whole basis for example of course there's the you know communist party of china and also mm-hmm. revolutionary committee of the chinese Kuomintang, Kuomintang, is that how you say it kmt right and also the from the taiwan democratic self-government league from the all china women's federation and from the all china federation of industry and commerce from circles of sports circles of agriculture circles of education circles of press and publication you- you keep using the term circle. What does that mean? Are they like sitting in a circle? Uh, no, it's just like from different areas. Oh, I see. I think I see. of the society and they participate in CPPCC. And they, of course, these circles or let's say groups, right? Mm-hmm. They are adjusted along with changes in the domestic situation and economic and social structure. Mm. Oh, which leads me to another, another point I wanted to make is how... Things are more organic or things are more um, have this more evolving energy to it here in China. Mm -hmm. Now, when people talk about Western style of um, democracy, it seems like they have a very set framework. Right. This is how um, Mm -hmm. it's structured and this is how elections are are done Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. if things are set in stone. Like these should be Mm -hmm. uh, respected, you know, by not just us, but also other people. But I think here the feeling is we know that things are constantly changing. There is constantly evolution going on. Right, at different levels. Mm-hmm. So I guess a more of a flexibility, resilience and flexibility flexibility to the style of governance here in China. Like for example, during COVID, right? As especially toward the end of the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, it's a very obvious example of how people's voices are heard and how they influence policies. Right? It's not like set in stone, we're gonna open up on a you know February 4th, uh, da 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 da. It's not like that. It's not it's an ongoing process. Let's see, mm-hmm. right? Let's see how the conditions have changed so that we can form a, a most appropriate idea. And at a certain time, both, I guess, the, the uh, government thinks it's time 
um, it's about time to open up. And the people are also saying that I think we should, um, it's time for us to, you know, turn the page and move on. And then agreement was reached, right? Um, uh, when the country opened up again. I guess when the West thinks, thinks of its um, own democratic system, you know, it's, it's got a more rigid idea of how things should work. Mm -hmm. But other people have their concerns. They have their ways of com communicating with their own people to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's more flexible and fluid than just one set of um, ideas mm -hmm. and structures. If you just break all the ideas that you've presented, uh, Teacher Bebe, into like subheadings, you could probably write a book because, you know, I don't think that there is uh, adequate material in the United States and the West mm. about how Chinese the Chinese democratic process works. So I think that there is a, a dire need, even if there are one or two existent pieces of uh, text, for people who do understand firsthand, not just some Buddy who studied at Stanford and then got their master's degree at Berkeley and then got a PhD in like mm. some other country. Someone who mm. is Chinese, who spent most of their life in China, who understands how these processes work, who has family who who understand how these processes work, to write a book about what is whole process people's democracy. And it should be a well-read person. And it should mm. be a person who is international, who speaks fluent English, baby. Do you know anyone oh. like that, baby? What are you talking about? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> well, that's a huge task. And also, uh, when it comes to whole process, uh, whole process democracy, it's also still evolving, mm -hmm. right? Things are always like that. It's always evolving, making it better. Mm -hmm. Maybe there will be kinks at different places, but, you know, that's, that's a normal... Uh, evolutionary process. But, you know, when it comes to um, a comparison of uh, democratic systems, mm -hmm. uh, when we look at the system in the West, we have our doubts and we have our doubts more and more nowadays mm -hmm. because how things have been <laughs> unfolding. I think the people in the West have their doubts more and yeah, more lately, it's really too. things are like in shreds now. Mm -hmm. That's sorry, my personal opinion. I think a lot of people share that opinion right now. Yeah, but on the, on the reverse. Now, the West don't even have, well, maybe I'm being too absolute uh, like most people including people who work in the government they probably don't have an, a basic understanding of how the government works here in china yeah how democracy is yeah. expressed here in china well, i think and then without that understanding they make a lot of judgment which i think is well yeah what's what's fair. really interesting and i think really important to note are two things and you need to put them together to understand Firstly, number one, and this is something that is not understood by people in the West, China has no interest in telling the United States how to conduct its internal affairs. China has no interest in the internal affairs of any other sovereign nation in the world, does not want to tell people in Africa how to manage their government, doesn't want to tell the United States right. how to manage their government. And yet there are still U.S. politicians who say China wants to tell us how to run. Our no, they don't. They're not interested at all. But the reverse is true. Mm. There are some U.S. politicians who say China should do things like this and this and this. And so you put these th two things together. Who is really, you know, the bully here? China is not interested. China wants to have healthy right. economic ties to trade with the United States. And that's pretty much it. You know, let's be friends. Let's exchange technology. Let's exchange goods. In the United States, there are some politicians who are saying we need to change China. China needs to change mm. its political system. No one in China wants to change the American political system, but people in the United States do want to change the Chinese political system. And what's bizarre is that mm -hmm. more than double the amount of people, the percentage of people in China approve of their own government mm -hmm. versus in the United States where it's 40 something percent of people approve of the, the performance of the United States government. So the government performing very poorly wants to change the government that's right. performing very well, whereas the government China that is performing very well is not interested in changing. I think this is really important for our Western listeners to understand. First of all, from, from a personal point of understanding, like we are pretty busy minding our own business. Okay, <laughs> it's a huge country, right? Mm. I, I imagine our top leaders and leaders at different levels of the government mm. are exhausted just managing our own internal yeah, affairs, yeah. right? Um, and also one puzzling thing about the US, and I'm not saying, I'm not judging, okay? I'm just saying mm. it's, it's very puzzling. Why isn't it spending more time like taking care of its issues, domestic issues? I mean, there's no lack of them. I, I 
see people say this in, on the media, social media this. all the time. Why have 130 bases around the world outside of the U.S. borders when America's falling apart? Why not, like, you know, I don't say destroy the military. Every country should have a healthy military to protect itself for defensive purposes. But we, the United States, when I say we, we do not need 130 U.S. military installations mm. abroad. Maybe cut that, <laughs> like, half or and, like, bring some of that money home and fix the people's lives. One, two, three, four, five. Can we cut that? <laughs> from Jason. Yeah. Call from Jason. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think a lot of people share your idea. Um, but I'm just saying from my own personal uh, perspective, um, I, that's something I don't understand. I mean, there are so many people that need to de- need to be taken care of in the U.S. itself. Mm-hmm. Why can't you mm-hmm. see that and actually put the do something? Yeah. yeah, put your own people first. Really put America, put Americans first inside America, right? Mm-hmm. Work on your own issues. Oh, wait. I, for, I know why. It's that I have this list of lobbying organizations, babe. Mm-hmm. Maybe a huge part of that is because Lockheed Market, Martin is giving money to politicians. Yeah, I was surprised that you said you you said they were the last on the list. Shouldn't they be like the first on the list? Well, no, th- this is not. They're not the last on the. They're the last on this list. But mm. the list ke- theoretically keeps going down. Lockheed Martin in 2022 spent 10.12 million dollars. Mm. You know, schmoozing U.S. congressmen, persons. Not surprised. So, and also the finance industry, whoever is benefiting uh, the most, right? And and they're spending the most. Meta, Facebook, and IG. Apparently, they need Congress ear for whatever it is that they're doing. And this has been going on since when, right? Uh, all this lobbying and the money spent. Since the beginning. So, like, see, this is very puzzling to me. Do people see the flaw in that? In how... Uh, people do. I-, I posted this and I got dozens of likes instantly within minutes. Yeah. <laughs> this would not work people- here in China. <laughs> so, um, which is very curious. If it's so obvious, why have it been going on? And why have people been so proud of it? So, but I don't want to sound like someone really annoying. I don't mean for our listeners to take away the wrong idea because we're a show that talks about connecting China and the United States. I only criticize America because I'm American. You never know. Well, in the future, right? The better future is when people, we travel freely and uh, both we can feel safe no matter where we are. That's a world we hope to live in. Hmm. You know, no matter here um, in China or in the States and, you know, Japan, France, Europe, anywhere, that's the world we want. So um, that's for us, that's what it means by being pragmatic so that everyone can have mm. a better livelihood, can feel safe and secure, can just do our thing, right, to make our lives better. So that's Chinese style. I, I certainly wish that of, was. Uh, pragmatism. Yeah. Well, baby, yes. I thank you for your lesson that you have shared with me and all of our listeners. Aww. I'm just doing the very basics. So thank you. Thank you for your support. All right. Hey, one last thing I want to leave our listeners with is if you liked this episode and you want to share it with your friends, please do so. Put it on your social media or just tell your your friend around the corner. Exactly. We are the bridge and we are here for you. Yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jason. We'll see you next time. Bye. 